Hello, I'm Amanda Hill-Rao with You Choose You Now podcast. During my podcast, I've shared my journey about how I chose myself and came back home to realize my worth, my value, and to get over my limiting beliefs. But I realize as a human being, we're all connected. We're all made for connection. And so I'm delighted to share my first interviews with my guests. People who are in their own journey have found that they have come back to themselves and realized their value, their worth. And I'm delighted to share their journeys with you to see what you can learn. Because after all, we are made to help one another in our awareness. You do you, I do me. But with our connections and our love and our compassion and being, we are built to become who we were meant to be. So I invite you to sit back, relax, listen to the guests, and find out how we are truly all connected. Welcome to You Choose You Now. Today, I'm joined by an amazing lady who has totally inspired me. She's going to tell a bit about herself. Welcome to the show, Pascal. Thank you, Amanda. Lovely to be here. So tell us a little bit about who you are. So I am Pascal. Uh, I'm a mother of two lovely little ladies, uh, Emily and Jasmine, and I'm a therapeutic relationship and life coach, uh, which basically means uh, counsellor. I qualified a few years ago. My previous background was social work, and I wanted to do something that bundled all of my skills together. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of created created a role for myself whereby I could use all of my all of my skills to do something that really made me feel, you know, excited and passionate about what I do. I love that. So you did choose you now, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. (laughs) Now, you mentioned just then that you decided to become a social worker, and I think it was at the age of 21. Why did that call to you? I think in many ways, if I'm completely honest, I, I fell into it. I've always been... I've always been very sensitive. I've always been very empathic. And in my, in my very early professional life, I was actually, I was actually a state agent. I was, I was in sales for my, for the first couple of years of my career. And then I trained as a, as a reflexologist and I did it. I did reflexology, uh, Indian head massage. And I started then in my first entrepreneurial business at the age of 21. And what happened was I was a homeowner quite young. Mm-hmm. And I was always quite about making sure that I had enough money to pay my mortgage. So I applied for a job in a local children's home yes. as a waking night staff. And I thought, well, if I do that for three nights a week, that, that means that the mortgage is safe and secure. Yes. Basically, they offered me a permanent full time role. And, and I took it and I absolutely loved it. And yeah. I loved the kids there. It was a, it was a home for boys, uh, aged between five and 13, mm. which, which was a little bit of a baptism of fire. Yes. I and after I, <laughs> no joke. And after I'd been there for about a year, I thought I really want to get into preventing this from happening. Yeah. And so I then got a job, a part time job alongside the job at the children's home. 
working in my local uh, local authority family center, mm-hmm. uh, running groups for children and parents. Wow. And then, you know, the rest, like literally from there, the rest is history. I just found a job that I absolutely loved. Within a few years, I, I was qualifying to be a social worker. And Amazing. I think one of the things that I loved about working for the local authority, I was there for a very long time. I had so many different roles. I, yes. I worked in so many different teams. So it felt like actually every every few years I was in a new job, which was great. But the universe was aligned to get you into your passion, which is connection and helping children. You know, you weren't a mother yet, but you were laying the pathway, really. Which Absolutely. I love. I Absolutely. And it was through that job that I very first became introduced to attachment theory which was my my first counselling qualification. And what is Uh, is attachment theory? So attachment theory is the foundation of all of the work that I do now, which is basically how your your formative Mm -hmm. years, your very early years, uh, your your very first relationship with your primary caregiver, usually your mother, but not always, obviously, how that then affects how you then grow up, how you then form relationships when you're older, how you give love, how you receive love, and and who you and what you feel you deserve. Yeah, it's the foundation of everything for me. That, and I just wish more people trust themselves and had you know secure, safe attachment just to be who they were. So I love what you're about. So thank you for being there. Now, you're a therapist now, so why is it important for you to share your knowledge with clients? Because I was before I became a life coach, before I came into coaching, I was working as a therapist. I was working mm-hmm. um, with individuals and actually a lot with couples. Mm-hmm. And through the couple work that I was doing, I was seeing really regular patterns that I yes. was seeing in the couple work that I was doing. And at first, I thought it was to do with the men. But actually, what I realized was that there were a lot and, and I'm, I'm really big on, on, on universal attraction. And I think yes. that, there, that I worked with a certain certain couples came to me or certain women came to me mm-hmm. because there was a reason that they came to me and there was a reason for me to work with them. And I just saw that actually it wasn't about the husband necessarily being emotionally avoidant mm-hmm. or not very demonstrative or fairly regularly i i suspect on the spectrum but actually it was something about the women and how they had grown up and yes. not you know not not in a negative sense what they thought that they were worth but actually these regularly seeing women that were drawn to men who were for the most part emotionally unavailable yes and what was that about why was i seeing that trend and so because of that then I then started really homing in or honing in on what we deserve. What do you deserve? What do mm-hmm. you? And this isn't about man bashing. This isn't about no, man bashing. No, but it's knowing all, your but, worth but as a about... woman and the stories that we make up as children because our experiences do have an effect, as you said, but you can let go of those inherited narratives and become yeah. who you are born to be. We all can, men, women alike, because we're born yeah. to connection. So yeah, that's so powerful what you're doing. What were your, your own relationship like with your parents? Because as you said, quite importantly, that first bond we have sets us up for life. So what were your relationship with your mum and dad? 
I think my parents, as I said, I, I've always been a really, I was a very, very sensitive child and very empathic, always very empathic. And my mum is very empathic and she is very sensitive as well. I, so my parents got divorced when I was uh, separated and divorced when I was about seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took it very badly. And I found it very difficult. And, you know, I felt it wasn't easy for either either of them. And mm-hmm. I really, I was very, very sensitive to, to my own needs, but also to what was going on for them. I think um, children feel stuck in the middle because I work with children, you know, who, especially after COVID, their parents getting divorced. And of yeah. course, they love mum and dad and mum and dad love them. But it's just the fact that mum and dad can't get on anymore. And it's yeah. so difficult for children to understand that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's so difficult. Uh, you know, it was it was difficult and it's it still still it still makes me sad now. And they both worked full time and they were very busy and they were both on the hamster wheel of life. Yes, the doing mode, and, as I call it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely doing mode. One hundred percent. I, I hadn't realised, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I hadn't realised until actually fairly recently mm-hmm. that everything that I'm doing now in my career, in my business, with my children, yes. with other with other women, other mothers, my tagline, if you like, is is helping mums to be happy and fulfilled so that they can, yeah, happy, fulfilled and thriving so that you can raise happy Mm-hmm. you know confident thriving children it's just so fitting because it's everything that i i feel so strongly about you yes. know i feel so strongly about for for myself for my children for everybody else as well yes. no that resonates with me because i do think your upbringing does influence your life and what you went through as a child then set you on a path to just allow people to be and accept you, and it's not about your mum or your dad, it's about how you relate to it and respond rather than reacting. Besides gearing you to this path of being wholesome, thriving, how did your upbringing influence other aspects of your life? What were your relationships like growing up with men? With men? (laughs) My relationship with my dad was always incredibly close. Um, my My dad's not with us anymore. Um, unfortunately, my dad, my dad and I were always very, very close. So it's funny because I, my dad's been gone for eight years now. So he, he passed when my eldest was just a baby to 10 months old and he was my hero and he was always on a pedestal for such a long time. And he still is my hero and he still is on a pedestal. But I, I suppose through my growing and through my own development and my own objectivity, I'm able to look and say you know he wasn't he, he wasn't always that perfect and that polished no, but we do that because um, my dad's no longer with us he's been past six years and he was my rock and when he died I do went to pieces really really did but I realized now that my husband is so like him and he's my rock but I wasn't even seeing my husband for missing my dad so much but it's like you yeah. said those bonds you form early you know they're crucial for us yeah and my husband's a wonderful, wonderful man. And I mean, I, I'm genuinely, there's no, I'm not being conceited here at all. I'm very, very blessed mm-hmm. to say that I have two men in my life on earth and in heaven who have loved me unconditionally. That's um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I recognize how lucky I am to say that, but you know, it doesn't mean that those relationships 
were necessarily always easy. No, but that's no, but um, no relationship you know. is easy because you know we need the challenge. But it's how you step up and meet those challenges and your reactions and responses to the men and the women in your life that makes a difference. And look yeah. at you now succeeding and being happy. Because I do believe happiness within, and we all have it, but we lost it along the way. And I know you guide people back to that happiness, so I love that. Yeah, We have patterns that are ingrained, I believe, from parents and grandparents. But what patterns do we have as humans that we need to stop, in your opinion? I, I think for mothers, because that I, mm. I work with mothers, so that, that's my, my strength, if you like. Oh, I yes. work with fathers as well, to be fair. Taking the time to be present, yes. it's something that we all know, and yet we all, myself included, mm-hmm. and me, struggle <laughs> with, you know, and because there's always something else to be doing. There's mm. always something else to be doing. And I think actually, a lot of the time, being present, I think is quite intimidating for a lot of people, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, but you'll you'll know that from the work that you do. I know that from the, my first step into to the family centre, working with parents all those years ago. Yes, they didn't. A lot of them didn't want to be on the floor playing with their children. No, they felt was, awkward. They weren't awkward. used to it. They weren't taught how to do that. Just uh, to be, just to be. And so to distract ourselves, be that within domestically or on Facebook or mm-hmm. whatever else that we can use to distract ourselves, yes. I think is a lot easier a lot of the time. And it's a lot easier to distract yourself. Take the kids out of the picture. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to distract yourself from your thoughts. Yes. But we're, we're built with that because I've realized with my nervous system, because before I was literally in life threat and like a zombie, and then you go into that danger and protection and it's off your thoughts and it's avoiding things. And actually, what I've learned myself, I don't know if you're the same, but with the thinking and the doing, you create more problems than there actually are. And actually in being and being mindful in the present and this moment now, there's nothing to worry about. I'm just talking to you and it's fabulous. But yeah. our mind gets in the way and creates these problems that we just ruminate on. and. The moment's gone. I mean, my son's yeah. now 13. I still remember when he was three, I thought, what's happened in the last 10 years? Where did that go? And I'm very mindful that I want to spend as much time as I can with him because obviously he's going to fly the nest soon or another five years. And I just want to create memories and experiences for him that he can use and fall back on. And that's so important. And it's all about creating the memories. I mean, I'm really... I love creating memories. Mm-hmm. And the thing is what's so lovely, when you when you know that the memories are important you and you know and you, you really value those memories, there's no price on them. They they don't have to be big expensive days out or holidays. Yeah. They can be just being silly in the park or, yes. you know, like bedtime stories. You know, yes. it is it, it really is about actually just being in that moment yeah. and that's all they want. They just, it is. They, it's that they just special want that connection. connection. Yeah, that <laughs> connection. I mean, we've just come back from Italy and my son, you know, who doesn't have a lot of time for me when he's around his friends here, we were just messing around in the sea for a pure hour, laughing. The, the childish quality he brought out in me, it was just like we were two five-year-olds having fun. And that to me is precious. And 
we're so busy, busy doing, doing, trying to find results, when the simplicity and the connection in those little actions and that moments are oh, just beautiful to me. So yeah. I love that. As, and he'll remember that forever. Yes. You know, you'll yeah. remember it forever, but he will remember that forever. Yes, especially when he has his own children. If he does, he might not, but yeah, yeah. that's precious. So you're a fabulous mother now. What is important to you as a mother? Creating memories, being emotionally available, not being perfect. I don't believe in perfection. No, it doesn't exist uh, unless you're a robot. It doesn't <laughs> exist. I just want to create little people who grow up to be happy and confident, mm. that are empathetic, that are compassionate and that are that are compassionate with themselves as well yes. as to others. Yes. I think and compassion is healing for everything. And learning to be absolutely. compassionate with yourself is just amazing because from that energy, you accept everybody and everything around you. Yeah. So that's a beautiful yeah. gift. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, they're young. They're, they're five and eight at the moment, so they're very young. My eldest is definitely an empath. She's so, she's so sensitive. The, the the little one is <laughs> slightly oblivious to so many things, but a beautiful, beautiful, gentle soul as well. But yes. just to have children that grow up to be happy. And actually, in all honesty, Amanda, I I can remember going back to when I was a child and just thinking, I just want my children when I grow up mm-hmm. to be happy. Yes. Um, and anything else that happens on top of that will just be a bonus. Yes, totally. The lady that helped me with my first book, I Choose Me, Laura Herbert, she's absolutely amazing. And her children, who are young like yours, when people say what they want to be when they grow up, they just say, I want to be happy. And I think yeah. that is the most amazing answer. Yeah. You don't have to have a role to be happy. You can be just accepting who you are, which is what it is. Now, as a mother, and I can say this... <laughs> And on heart, because I was dreadful with myself. We tend to give ourselves a hard time, negative comments, and take on people's opinions, which are not even ours. How can you suggest that we accept ourselves just as we are as mothers? Because, you know, we've got a, I had a good mother's dot, dot, dot. But I now believe that my child chose me to be his mum because we've got lessons to learn together. So how can our listeners accept themselves? And if they're giving themselves a hard time, how can they stop that narrative? I think the most important thing for us to do in, in any aspect of our life is to choose the person that we want to be. Yes. And be really honest about, be honest about who you are. Mm-hmm. Be honest with yourself about your, not just your flaws, but be honest with yourself about your strengths. So one of the things that I get my clients to do is I'll ask my clients to write a personal statement for themselves. Yes. List absolutely everything that you are good at. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do well, not just academic achievements, yes. not just jobs, but like literally everything. Because we're very good at pointing out our flaws, but we're not very good at pointing out our strengths. And celebrating them. And celebrating them. But when you know, when you're clear about strengths and your flaws, and you like, say for example, I've got like, I've worked with several mums who want to change the way that they communicate with their children. They they want to change the way that they, they don't want to be shouting. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be, you know, nagging. They don't want to be, you know, constantly on edge. 
I mean, there's a lot more to it, obviously. But I mean, commit to being the person that you want to be. There's, when you when people are in defensive mode like that, yes. there's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of chaos. So you need to kind of really be, as I said, be really clear about your strengths. Be clear about, identify your strengths, identify your flaws. Put a structure in place for yourself. Put some routine in place that, that means that we all need boundaries. Yes. We, we all need to know that we have, we are safe in our bubble and that, uh, and this comes back from my children's home days. I know that the boundaries mean that I can't do X. Yes. But I also mean, that also means that you can't do X either. Yes. There's so respect. it's not, a, it, it's about, it's about mutual respect. And stop giving yourself a hard time. Like if you make a mistake, again, it's about being honest with yourself. Yeah, that was a mistake. You don't want to do it like that. There are so many strategies that we can have actually mm-hmm. when it comes to being the person that we want to be. Yes. There are loads of tools and things that I can recommend. But the most important one is be really clear on who you want to be and then commit to being that person. Yeah, I love that. Acknowledge who you are because I was lost because I was trying to be everything for everybody else and I didn't do what made me happy. And one of my seven steps in the morning is acknowledge what I've done well, be grateful for what I've got and then decide who do I want to be today? Usually because I have quite a lot of joy in me, (laughs) joy and inspiring is what I choose to be. And as my husband said, you are the CEO, chief energy officer of the home. And when I'm not on kilter, it affects everybody. Well, that's exactly, that is exactly right. And I always feel, I always feel slightly guilty saying that to my clients because I just think, oh God, it's just another bloody burden for women to be carrying around with them. But the reality is that if we are not firing on all cylinders, it has such a knock-on effect. When I've got PMT, everybody else is agitated. Yes. Not because not because I'm shouting. No, but, but you but because you the energy, an energy. The yeah, energy that just comes out. And then as soon as we I kind of like snap out of it and I kind of take ownership of it, everything else around me calms, calms down. down. It's amazing, isn't it? So it's it's not like that they're only happy if I'm happy. It's not like and if you you're not allowed to have a bad day, it's not about that. No. But it's about just taking Taking responsibility. You are you. You're the battery pack for the family, right? Like, yes. like what? What is it? Your husband says the chief yes. energy officer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, but, I love that. I might have to steal that. Actually, on that's Amanda. okay. But but that's it. Like that. That is our responsibility, and that's that's our privilege as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to step in it without, because I did have a few days on holiday that I said to him, "This is what is up." I said, "I can't put it into words because I didn't know. I just I'm in a funk." And he went, I love that word. I said, he said, what do you I need? I said, I just need space to be, to sort it out, you know, and I just need that time away from you, which they gave me. And then I could come back again. So any moms out there, don't think you have to be all shining and bright and fabulous all the time. We have good days and bad days. And when you have a bad day, but communicate it, because what I realized I wasn't doing was saying it in words, but the energy was doing the talking. And that's where the problem started for me. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, saying, I need space absolutely. now. And yeah. there's the respect then, as you said, the mutual respect. And also just saying, like, I'm not feeling very good today, so I'm really sorry if I'm a bit snappy with you. Yes. Just ignore me. Yes. Um, I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll be better. I'll, I'll be all right later. Yeah. And then at least everybody knows 
that, you know, all right, just kind of stay out of her way and keep a low profile. No, totally. As you said earlier, we're not perfect. And I know the other day I was tired and I totally lost it with Alessandro, my son. And I was really shouting, if you look quite nervous. And I went away and I went, oh, my God, that was not the way I was meant to respond. And I took five minutes to myself and I came down and I said, look, I'm really sorry. That mm. anger just took over. It's not what I was, what I wanted to say still is the same, but how I said it, I didn't want that to happen. And he was great. He just said, it's okay, mom. I still love you. We gave each other a hug and it was done and over. But you know, there's something, there's, there's something so important about being accountable for getting it wrong. Yeah. I'm a great one. Make mistakes and, and don't think that, as I say in school when I'm teaching, if you make a mistake, just a big black hole swallow me up whole. No, guess what? I'm still here. It's fine. Yeah. It's our mind that creates that and other people's yeah. expectations. So let those and, go. And when we can show them that we've got it wrong, I mean, I'm, I'm not like forever saying sorry. Like I'm not always doing stuff wrong, but like if I, if I mess up, I will say sorry and I'll say, look, I, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have said it like that or I shouldn't have done that mm. or, you know, whatever. That is so important to me it because is. it's so, it's so important that I am apologetic and that they know that I'm apologetic. But also, it's, it's excellent role modeling. That's what I was just going to say. You like, are being you know, the best role model. When we get it model. wrong, we, then you just, you are, you own up, you say yeah. sorry, and like, you know, we move on. We, we don't, exactly. We, you don't hold on we, to it with guilt no, and shame, which is where I was as a child. My mum never admitted anything wrong. God rest his soul. But it's just the fact I didn't have that role modeling. It was either right or wrong, good or bad. And there is no right, wrong or good or bad, except in our minds. And yeah, yeah, we're human beings. Just be, accept all emotions, which is why I did the mood munches, and let them be. Be seen and let them go. Don't repress. I love that. So family is obviously really important to you, and that is my number one. What does family exactly mean to you, Pascal? Oh, gosh. I mean, family means everything to me. It means everything to me. and And it's not just people who share a bloodline yes family are the people who family is about unconditional love yes i love um it's about unconditional trust Mm -hmm. and it's just about you know being there for each other and being able to sometimes just be yeah hold space for one another hold space absolutely i don't have a very big family i've got a very very small family actually but it is that thing for me it's all about unconditional love yes. that i mean that's the backbone of everything for me with me and it's the connection because my family you know mom and dad have gone i don't see my sisters so much anymore but then i have friends now who i consider sisters and i yeah. say friends are the family you choose it doesn't have yeah. to be bloodline but it's that connection that understanding and that love unconditional love which we're all aiming for which is just beautiful so what do we need as parents, mothers, fathers to teach our children? What is the more important? Because I know as a teacher, they're all about academics. And I'm thinking, no, we're not pieces of meat and to be graded. To me, it's emotional and mental well-being that's more important. What do you think we yeah. need to teach our children? Especially over the last couple of years. Eh? To be good communicators. And I don't mm. mean around talking and a lot of talking and listening, obviously, is there. But actually being able to understand your own emotions and being able to verbalize them. 
Yes. To, to know that we are going to have ups and downs and that the uh, people around us are going to have ups and downs, to know that there is good and bad in everyone mm-hmm. and that we have, you know, like if my daughter has a bad day at school because somebody's been horrible to her, mm-hmm. to be able to understand the feelings that she's got going on, to accept be able to them. express them, accept mm-hmm. them, express them, but also to be able to kind of have a little bit of insight into what might have been going on for the other person at the yes. time as well. Yes. So, you know, and I don't want to come across as sitting here being too virtuous, but you know, for me, everything is about being able to hold emotions. Yes. And I think when we, you know, and I think the older generation, uh, I don't know how old you are, you don't need to tell me, but I no, think I'm our in my parents 50s. Generation, I, I'm an oldie. <laughs> You're an golden oldie. I'm an old, a golden oldie, yeah, I love that. But no, it was, you were seen but not heard and the parents were always right. Whereas now I think we're getting yeah. rid of those stories. And as a teacher, I know with little ones, your children's age, I'd go and say, how are you feeling? Don't be happy or sad or cross. Those are the only words they knew, which is why I created the Move Munchers. Yeah. That are tangible munchers. toys and books because we're not our emotions. And yet I thought I was my emotions and my thoughts and we're not. They just come to visit to do a job to let us be a human being and express ourselves, as you say, and yeah. to give children that language and that role modeling is just so powerful. It's so powerful and it's skills for life. Yeah. Yeah. Skills for life. And to be able to look at somebody who is like, so to be able to understand their own emotions, but be able to look at others and actually have some, we're never going to know 100%, but have a really good kind of sense about what's going on for them. Yeah, and have um, compassion and kind of, for the other person. Yeah. And for ourselves and our own reactions, because judgments pop in. Mind you, and I, I say, oh, look, there's judgment popping in again. Right, you can be quiet. <laughs> yeah. And just be, yeah. yeah. Like, we don't have control over that split decision, that no. split, split second judgment that comes into our head. But then it's just for them what you do with it after. Yes, but as you said, which leads to my next question, to be the best role model, and as you said, we both apologise when we realise our reactions take over for a few minutes, might be five minutes, but then we see it and go, oh, look at what happened there, interesting, or oops, and we apologise for it. So what other ways can parents be the best role model for their children? I do a whole module on this in my course on communication. It, it's all it's all part of the same bubble. How you talk to your husband, yes. how you talk to your partner, how you talk to the woman in the shop, how yes. you talk to the person down the street, how you talk to your friends, how you talk to your children. They are learning all of that. Mm. So if we are expecting our children to be kind, polite, apologetic, in touch with their emotions, in touch with other people's emotions. If we're expecting them to not, and I've got girls, so very, I'm very, very aware of this, look in the mirror and say that they're fat or they're ugly. Yes. That is all of the stuff that they are essentially only picking, not only picking up from us, but I mean, largely picking up from mm-hmm. us. So if I'm, if I'm shouting at my husband and I'm being horrible and I'm telling him to do one, what on earth am I teaching them? No, it's true. Because you know, I used to put my husband in his place. I think sort of how I was brought up a little bit. And, you know, I dismissed him and I realised it was having a negative effect on how Alessandra was interacting with his dad. 
And I pulled myself up by the short and curlies and I stopped it. And now he says, yeah, but you're backing dad up. You didn't used to do that. I said, yeah. And I was wrong not to back him up because he is a partner. He is your father. And I adore him. Things that he does can trigger me. But that's my issue. Nothing to do with your dad. And it's actually, especially with mine, because he's 13 now, he can understand that conversation. But as you said, it's literally to the bus driver, the person on the street, because how we are in our being and our interactions teaches our children so much. Absolutely. I think you're amazing, I have to say. Uh, I'm not amazing all the time. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, but that's why I think you are amazing because you acknowledge it. So I that's what really I, hard. no, but I love that about you. You're, you're, you're you, you know, unapologetically you. So I think that's amazing. And we can all be that. Now, how can people connect with you? Cause you've got lots of courses and interesting bits that people can learn how to be just themselves and accept themselves. So how can they connect? So the easiest way to connect with me is on Facebook. So Pat. Lane. I've got a group called Happy and Fulfilled, uh, which we talk about all of this stuff regularly. And then my program, my group coaching program, uh, you can find at youfulfilled.co.uk forward slash program. And actually, if you search Pascal Lane on Amazon, you can buy my book, How to Be Happy in Life and Love. So there are lots of ways we're connecting with me. I love all of those. So get connecting, listeners, because this get lady, connected. she's lived it. She's doing it. She's showing up. She's not perfect, but who wants to be perfect? We just want to be ourselves in love and unconditional love. Now, to end this fabulous conversation, what one nugget of gold can you leave with our listeners today? One nugget of gold would be look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Make time to look after yourself because I tell you what, we spoke earlier about being the battery pack of the family. Yes. And actually when we're running on empty, so we good. can't possibly, can't possibly be the battery pack. So whether you're doing half an hour a day, or whether you're doing three hours on the weekend, make sure that you are regularly putting time in the diary for yourself, uninterrupted and unapologetically time for yourself. Because I think the danger is that we think that we're being selfish when we make time for ourselves. But actually, it's quite the opposite. You cannot pour from an empty cup. It's a great saying. I say it all the time. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And if you can make time for yourself to recharge your batteries, you show up so much so, yes. better for okay. everyone else. Yes. Oh, oh give me the old goose pimples. Yeah. No, but that's a beautiful <laughs> message because you said about selfishness and I was brought up a Catholic family and the idea of taking time for yourself was just unheard of. And I've only learned in the last four years to do that. And the difference with the energy I have now, it's actually not selfish. It's most rewarding because you are full. And when you're full and your brim's over, as you say, then you feed the people around you. So I just love that. So thank you for that. It's been amazing listening to Pascal. Please join her on You Fulfilled You and Be Happy and Fulfilled on Facebook and other social media. She's an amazing lady. I am blessed to be connected with her. Thank you so much for your time today, Pascal. Thank you so much, Amanda. It was lovely. Thank you. You're welcome, my darling. Sharing our stories, 
being vulnerable, being open, being authentic, is how we heal ourselves, but also help others. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the guests today and maybe taken away a message they've shared that means something to you. This is your host, Amanda Hill-Ryle. Looking forward to being with you next time.